Welcome to this emergency episode of the Tomahawk Show. I'm your host, Joe Thomas, with my co-host, Andrew Hawkins. And of course, we've got NFD here. We're here recording from each other's home, our in-home studios, talking about all the huge trades that the Browns have made in the last couple days. Let me kick it off right off the bat. I know this is a guy that we've talked a little bit about on the Tomahawk Show, and I'm going to toot my own horn a little bit here. I said that the Browns should be trading for Tyrod Taylor. Many weeks ago, I thought he was the most underrated player that might be available at quarterback and lo and behold it seems like John Dorsey must be a big Tomahawk fan what do you think Hawk of course I mean obviously we're, we're making all the trades for John Dorsey he has a really easy job listen to us get the information and make it happen it's it's very simple process and that's exactly what he's done NFT do you have the details on the Tyrod Taylor trade I do it is reported it can, now it can't be official until Wednesday when the new league year starts but for this trade, it was reported he was traded for a third-round pick in 2018. Mm. little background on Tyrod Taylor. He was 23-20 and 20 as a starter in Buffalo. He made the Pro Bowl, and he took the Bills to the playoffs last year. I'll take it. Count me in. You know, it's funny because NFL is like beauty in the eye of the beholder thing. So, like, like you were talking about, Joe, you've been talking all offseason how Tyrod Taylor is the most underrated. We both agreed on that. I've been talking about him during the season. Like, when they benched him for Nathan Peterman, I gave the Buffalo Bills hell every chance I could get, like, to the point where I know that Nathan Peterman's family probably wants to fight me. But it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't about him. It was just the, the thought that you would bench a guy who's 6-3. and three, And maybe it was a little PTSD from our 2014 season when we went through the same thing with Brian Hoyer. But it was, like, it was the dumbest thing in the world to me. And there are people that probably wouldn't be excited about having Tyrod Taylor and say, oh, they say he doesn't take deep shots. He's too safe of a quarterback. We play in Cleveland. If there's any franchise that would love a, when you say safe, I hear smart, a smart quarterback who isn't just throwing the ball anywhere and making turnovers and putting his team in bad positions, it's Cleveland. So I thought it was a great trade. Well, I think it's a great trade. Like like NFD mentioned, they didn't have to give up a whole bounty of picks or players. Uh, we're able to add a really good quarterback that's been around. He's got the experience. He took the Bills to the freaking playoffs this year for the first time in like 19 years season yeah. or something crazy. So for them to not love him and not give him another opportunity this year was crazy. But for some reason, people just fell out of love with the guy. I don't get it. It doesn't make sense to me, but I think he's a great fit in Cleveland. Obviously, I think his ability to make plays with his feet, not only running, but also moving around when something breaks down and throwing the ball down the field, mm-hmm. I think is going to be a huge asset for a team that – has a lot of young talent, but it's starting to kind of add some of these other positions. Um, I think he's a great fit. You know, I hate when people make comparisons, but with that being said, I'm going to go ahead and make a comparison here. Time for I'm going to say, here's time for a comparison. I really think he he reminds me a little bit of Russell Wilson. Now, I think Russell Wilson throws an incredible deep ball, one of the best in the game. And mm-hmm. I'm not sure Tyrod's on that level, but right. as far as the ability to operate an offense, run it efficiently, be able to make plays, extend plays with his feet, make a lot of great decisions with when he's in the pocket. I think Tyrod Taylor can compare favorably to a guy that I think is a top five quarterback in the NFL. And that's Russell Wilson. I agree completely, man. I think, and I think if he's in the Hughes offense um, and with Todd Haley being on there, like if you have great offensive minds, it'll make Tyrod look that much better. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Cause like you said, I think he's a smart quarterback and it's not just, Oh, he's electric. Yes. He's electric. He can extend plays, but he's not a guy that's looking to run every time. He uses his legs to extend the extend the play. He keeps his eyes downfield. He runs when necessary, and he is athletic enough to do that. 
But yeah, I think he's a really good passer. And it's funny because he's a guy that strikes me as no ego, right? So if we yeah. were talking about, you know, signing Case Keenum or Kirk Cousins or, you know, uh, A.J. McCarron. If you take the A.J. McCarron and the Case Keenum situation, it's iffy because A.J. McCarron is going to cost you probably around $19 million a year. And if you commit that kind of money, he's your starter, right? And he's coming in thinking, I'm going to be the starter for a long time. That's, that's his goal. That's everybody's goal. And the same with Case Keenum. I've proven that I'm an NFL quarterback. I want to go somewhere and be the guy. So in those situations, when you draft an early round guy, if those quarterbacks aren't stable enough in themselves and, you know, confident enough in their abilities to say, okay, whatever, young guy in, I'll show him the ropes, we'll compete, may the winner be the winner. Tyrod strikes me as that guy, not that he's complacent and being the backup, but he was a backup for a long time. And the way he handled the Peterman situation where it was just like, look, I'm going to do whatever I can to get the kid ready. And, you know, that is what it is. And even though he knew in his heart of hearts he was the best option, he just handled it very mature. So I think he's the perfect guy to come in here, draft another guy early. They probably will have a great relationship, and he probably will compete. And it is what it is. May the best man win. But, you know, I think it's better better morale for the team in this situation. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. He's a, he's a great fit for the situation uh, in Cleveland. I think John Dorsey, he, he made an excellent move here because he didn't have to then overpay for a quarterback, you know, the, the talk was all about Kirk Cousins and Case Keenum and trading first and fourth pick for Nick Foles, like insanity type stuff. But for in this situation, you're able to get Tyrod Taylor for a third round pick, not a huge contract. You give him this season, you can still draft a guy number one if you want. You can draft back four if you want. You can. You don't even have to draft a quarterback now high in the first round if you don't love these guys, and you can push that off to next year and see what you got with Tyrod Taylor. He's a proven quarterback. He's got a, at least pretty good skill set. He's got a little bit of experience, more than most guys that are going to be out there, and I think he's just a really good fit for Hugh. And if and if Hugh works his magic like he has with some of these other guys he's worked with, he might turn out to be the franchise quarterback in Cleveland for a long time. And all of a sudden, you're able to get that for a third round pick. I think it just gives us in Cleveland a ton of options, and I, I love it. Yeah, I'm on so board. Speaking of options, that was just one of the four trades in the last 24 hours that the Browns have made. The other one, Jarvis Landry, three-time Pro Bowl wide receiver, is acquired for a 2018 fourth-round pick and a 2019 seventh round pick hawk as a wide receiver what do you think of jarvis landry i you know jarvis being traded to the browns that that was the one i was most excited about because jarvis he's like a man after my own heart like he there i don't think it's and i tweeted this there's not another receiver in the nfl and maybe even player that plays as hard as jarvis landry does he's not the biggest guy he's not a super small guy he's about 511 he's you know he's taller he's not you know, the thing about Jarvis, he had the probably one of the worst combines of a receiver in the last 10 years. Like, he ran like a 4.7640. His shuttle time was pedestrian. He verticaled like a 27, like nine foot broad. And it was like all these things. And it was like, oh, he's not this, he's not that. Well, all he's done is in four years have the, the most receptions of any player in NFL history. It's, it's not even close. He has like 50 more receptions than Anquan Bolden, who is the guy in second place. So that just tells you what kind of player he is. You watch his film, he blocks just as hard as he catches the football or run routes. Like there's never a play where he's off. There's never a time where he turns down the opportunity for contact. He's not scared across the middle and you can't be with those kind of numbers. And I think that's the kind of football you need in the AFC North. So it wasn't a surprise to me that the Browns and the Ravens were in the mix for him because he's cut from that Antonio Brown cloth. Except, like I said, this guy probably puts it on the line. 
even more in the run game. So I think that's huge to, to match him with Gordon, who is a former yardage leader in the NFL, along with the receptions leader in the NFL. Now you got options for a guy like Tyrod Taylor. Yeah, I love this move. Like you mentioned, uh, this is really going to be one of the feathers in the cap, I think, of the offseason that John Dorsey's having so far. To be able to acquire the top receiver that would potentially be out there and available, and I think he did it for a fourth-round pick this year, and they're giving him like a seventh-round pick in 2019, which is peanuts. Thanks for listening when I broke that yeah, down. Yeah, this is peanuts, baby. <laughs> yeah, that's nothing. Yeah, this is I peanuts. mean, but that's why you do that's That's why you get all the trades, right? I mean, you get all the draft picks. Like, why hold on to them? Go get players. Yeah, I totally agree. I think – since I've been in the NFL, the last five years, teams have overvalued significantly mid and late round draft picks. I think general managers in general have a little bit of ego. They think they're smarter than maybe they are. And they overvalue the ability to select draft picks that are cheap salary cap additions. When really, for the most part, those fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round picks, for the most part, those guys don't even make the team. Yeah, you're going to find some players in there, but overwhelmingly, the teams that are really smart and handle the free agency and the trades really well, like New England and like Cleveland's doing right now, are trading fourth, mm-hmm. fifth, sixth, seventh round picks for starters that are veterans, that can come in, that can play really well, that can lock up and solidify a position of need. And in this case, in Cleveland, you're going to be getting an explosive wide receiver that can catch the ball. And I think he's a really good fit when I look at Todd Haley and the offense that he's going to be bringing in. The things that he did with Antonio Brown to get him open, to get the ball in his hands, is going to be the same things he'll be able to do with Jarvis Landry. And you pair that with Corey Coleman and then a deep threat like Josh Gordon. I think that offense all of a sudden got really much more dangerous and explosive because now you're you're dealing with matchup problems for opposing defenses because okay you got Josh taking the top off the defense you got to worry about him now you got Jarvis who's a guy that can catch the ball all over the field and then yep. you throw Corey Coleman in there now he's another jitterbug uh, you you become difficult for those guys to match up on defense you know you can't really play your safeties uh, in the box trying to cover those guys you're going to have to play another nickel in there when you got all three of those guys in the game and then now you open up the run game and Todd Haley's a guy that likes to run the ball especially now that opens up Saquon Barkley at one at four giving him the ball yes. and now you can you got the workhorse in the backfield potentially and then three studs on the outside potentially more to even come I, I think I, honestly I would not be surprised if they got Terrell Pryor back yeah, I wouldn't either. I think he's actually a pretty good fit, and I think he realizes that his uh, his mesh with Hugh and his ability to come back into Cleveland would probably be the best yep. thing for his career. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if they bring in uh, Terrell Pryor because at this point it's it's probably going to be a close to a minimum deal, maybe a one year deal, and you can get nah, him for he won't cheap. Get minimum. You, you think he'll get, get more than, than minimum? That. I think he'll get more than minimum. I, if I was to guess, I'd say he'd be probably be a. <sighs> Probably a four to five million. Really, that much? I he think. Like I, I just think there's too many. Yeah, but you know, there's just, he had some injuries, and it's just a really needy year for wide receivers. And I could be wrong, yeah. and maybe he takes less to come here. I, I just know there's like the Buff, the the Ravens, the Jaguars. There's just so many teams that need a big guy, and so while his yardage don't doesn't look great, he's in a a very different situation. Whereas most receivers, it looks like a drop off. But he's a guy who's really just learning the position, mm-hmm. right? So it's not even like, even though he only had X amount of yards, it's still another year under his belt of playing wide receiver. So I think he still has a solid, you know, three to four years of like being able to put it all together if he's with the right system. And I think the Browns are it. I don't know if he'll, he'll probably have to take less under the situation because 
you know, we did get Jarvis and we have JG um, and Corey. So, I, you know, I just think it'd be a really good fit for him and the Browns if they can still, if they can make that happen. All right. Well, you've convinced me a little bit. I still don't think he's going to get four or five million, but I'm going to set yeah. my over under at Terrell Pryor's one year earnings next year, maybe in Cleveland, maybe somewhere else at about two million. I think that's kind of where the market might settle. Yeah, that, that's, uh, I, I wouldn't even argue that either. I yeah. wouldn't argue that because league minimum okay. for him right now is probably like 770 grand. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but either way, I think we both agree that Cleveland could be a great fit for Terrell. I think it's a natural fit with Hugh, obviously, and uh, the way the offense kind of is, is taking hold. Uh, the Browns also had another trade yesterday. Yep. Dan, tell us about it. The Browns acquired cornerback Demarius Randall and traded to Green Bay Deshaun Kaiser, and the team swapped fourth and fifth round draft picks. I love this one. I'm not not like from a like I was happy they got rid of Kaiser. I was super I do like the fact they brought Randall in, but I loved it for the things around it. I like the fact that Randall and JG were going back and forth on Twitter earlier in the year, and I loved it. That was like one of my favorite things when you guys played the Packers. And I don't know, Randall might have said something about JG, and then JG came back and said, "You couldn't hold my jockstrap, kid." Randall <laughs> comes back like, "Oh, he's doing that stuff," and it was like, it was one of my favorite back and forth. So the fact that they have to go against each other every day, I can't wait for training camp. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. I, I love this this pick again, man. This this trade was fantastic. Uh, as soon as this happened, I called some players that I knew that had been in Green Bay that had worked with him, and they said the guy actually has had some pretty good games, and and I think his maybe the last year or the year before was pretty good, but there were some character issues, and they were a little bit concerned with sort of maybe the fit, um, and so they were ready to move on from him. Um, like you mentioned, I agree with you. I think I really think Kaiser has a future in this league, but he needs some time to learn and grow. And the situation for him in uh, Green Bay is going to be so much better than it is if he would have stayed in Cleveland. So uh, for Kaiser, I think this is a great a great trade for the Browns. It's a great trade for Green Bay. It depends on where Demarius Randall ends up in his NFL career to see if it was a good trade or not. But for Kaiser to be able to sit there and learn under Aaron Rodgers for the next five, seven years, however long that's going to be, that really gives him the best opportunity to have a great successful career. Cause he's got the talent. He just needs the experience. He needs to learn from somebody and uh, no better guy than learning from Aaron Rodgers. And that's the point. I mean, that, that's honestly like, it's a career saver. Cause like you said, yeah. he can go in there he can learn under him for two or three years and he'll develop into a, all that incredible skill set he has because he does have an arm. He does have the size. He does have all the protocol, typical things you look for in a quarterback. He just hasn't been able to put it all together. And being thrust into the situation he was in Cleveland last year, it hurts his development more than it helps it. So, like you said, being able to watch him, Aaron Rodgers probably revitalizes him. And I wouldn't be surprised if three, four, five years down the line, all of a sudden you see Deshaun Kaiser develop into a starting quarterback that we all expected him to be from the start. Yeah, no doubt. And, and for him, Cleveland was becoming a dead end, right? Obviously, the season he had last year was not what everybody had hoped from him had he, and not what he'd hoped from himself. But the situation he was sitting in where Cleveland's going to bring in a veteran quarterback, they ended up bringing in Tyrod Taylor, right? So Tyrod's going to be the starter this year, right? And they're probably yep. going to draft a quarterback in the first round, whether it be with one or four or somewhere in that top ten. Uh, Deshaun was going to be sitting there as the perennial backup just waiting to get cut or traded somewhere else. So that's a tough situation to be in because he knows he's never going to leapfrog the guy that's the first pick and draft. And he's and he's not going to beat out 
uh, Tyrod Taylor this year. So he was just sort of in limbo, just waiting to see where the next part of his career went. So really, Cleveland did him an unbelievable favor. He's a great kid. I think he really has a great future. So being able to go there and know where your future is going to be and what it's going to look like in Green Bay is awesome. That is awesome. Now, man. what do you that know about awesome. now, Hawk? What do you know about uh, Demarius Randall? I don't know much. I mean, I heard some of the same things that you heard. Um, you know, I, I thought I think he's a really good corner. Mm-hmm. Sometimes even the the skill set, like the stuff, the off the field stuff, the you know, the, the the locker room stuff. Sometimes it affects the play. He had a really good season last year. Um, he played a lot better, and he's kind of started to look like the guy they expected when they drafted him high. So just to be able to get that kind of talent in there is a big deal um, just for competition purposes, right? Mm-hmm. And, I mean, more than that, the mentality you're bringing in. So I, I get there's some issues and concerns with Randall, but he's a guy, like I said, judging by the back and forth him and JG had early in the season, he's a prideful dude who comes in and he competes. Mm-hmm. Jarvis Landry, probably one of the biggest smack talkers, probably one of the most aggressive receivers from a blocking standpoint, playing standpoint, he plays with like it's such a crazy edge where like literally every day in practice is like a game to him. Like he, there is no stop. He he works his butt off. Like all the things we ever talked about, I do. He does that even better than me. Like and, and I've seen his practice tape and I've watched his game. So just that mentality being in the locker room is so important. And then you talk about the maturity with Tyrod Taylor having been around, having been on a, the Super Bowl team in Baltimore, having been a starter, having having such an understanding of the game for the Browns, it was never so much a talent thing. It was always the mentality, the guys that you have in those prominent positions being able to lead this team. And that's what I'm excited about. So I'm hoping Randall brings that edge. I'm hoping Jarvis brings that edge. I'm hoping Tyrod brings that maturity um, and that leadership. And I think that's when the Browns will turn the corner. One reason that I've always been a big Hugh Jackson fan and one reason I'm so excited that Cleveland decided to keep him for another year was I think he brings out the best in people and he's really good at managing players and people. And that was part of the reason why I was excited that he hired an offensive coordinator like Todd Haley, because now Hugh can focus full time on the management of his players and his coaches and bringing in a guy like Demarius Randall, who maybe had a little bit of a checkered pass with some character problems, uh, locker room problems in Green Bay. I think Hugh is exactly the right coach to have to be able to help that player blossom into the type player that he can be based on his potential and the talent level. So um, bring in those guys that are competitive. And that's one thing that it seems like John really wants to build in Cleveland is that competitive locker room that Every practice is going to be competitive like it's a game. He's trying to build competition at all those positions that are really important. The receiver, DB, obviously quarterback. There's going to be a little bit of competition between Tyrod and then when the rookie comes in. Um, But I think these are all positive things for a young team that's building, that's growing. And I love the direction. I agree. And don't be shocked if they – I see an announcement today that Pac-Man isn't going to be with the Bengals. Don't be shocked if the Browns make a play there. Really? Too. Interesting. You heard it here first on the yeah. Tomahawk show. I would not be surprised. I mean, given the history that he has with Hugh, given his familiarity with the – inside the division, the fact that he does – he's a super smart player. and People don't realize that about Pac-Man, how that's going to help when we play against the Bengals and his knowledge of that team on top of the fact he can return. Um you know, and he's probably not going to command a super high dollar amount, given some of the history. It could make sense that he could be a guy that you see in a Browns uniform for a year, a season or two, and 
you know, why they continue to build this thing back up. Man, it'll be interesting to see. I, I've, I've definitely been uh, excited about the moves that Cleveland's made here in the last few days and more to come. It's I mean, we thing. haven't even got into the new league year and they're going bonkers. So uh, it's going to be fun. Yeah. Man. Well, we, There's a fourth, a fourth one more trade, trade that just oh. went down. Oh, breaking news from NFT. <laughs> it's being reported that it's Danny Shelton and a 2018 fifth round pick to New England for a 2019 third round pick. So bag of footballs uh, and Danny Shelton. They're used balls, but interesting. Now, to me, when I see a trade like that, when you hear a team that has swapped essentially mid-round picks, that means that they really didn't want that player hardly at all, and they weren't able to get even like a sixth or a fifth-round pick. Um, Now, granted, New England, it's probably going to be a high draft pick, um, so maybe that's going to be a little bit higher end uh, in that round. But overall, to me, that signals that they feel like Danny was not a very good fit uh, for the Browns. They didn't feel like he fit well with Greg Williams's defense, which it's hard to argue. You know, Danny is one of those traditional run stoppers. He's a big stout guy. He doesn't move laterally really well. He's not an up the field penetrating type guy, which is what Greg Williams wants with his four, three attacking defense, but he does fit in new England. You know, new England likes those big two gappers that can, to put two hands into the chest of a center or a guard, read the football, shed, and try to make a play down the line of scrimmage. So I think that's actually another good fit for Danny. Um, I think it'll help his growth, his maturity, and it's probably good for Cleveland because who knows, Danny might not have even been in the rotation this year based on the defense they're trying to build there with an attacking up-the-field 4-3 style defense. Yeah, I agree, man. I think – it it's all about fit like Danny never really quite fit into what the Browns were doing and maybe that had something to do with the fact that we couldn't even figure out what we were doing half the time right so uh, New England is always a place that anybody can go to and and be successful because they are just the kings of being able to say okay you do this one thing really well you do these two things really well and that's all we need you to do we need you to just do those really good. So if that's just Danny's stuff in the middle in certain situations or whatever that looks like, they'll be able to extract that out and and, and display it to where people look at the players and like, oh, man, that guy is great. Or, you know, this guy does so much better here. It's it's no, it's the fact that they're able to kind of pull that out of guys a lot better than everybody else. So it just made a lot of sense. I mean, and I, I hate to beat a dead horse, but now when you look at, the, that the run of first round picks that the Browns have had from Trent Richardson, Brandon Whedon, Mingo, Justin Gilbert, Manziel, Shelton, uh, Irvin, they're all like they're all out of there. That that's amazing because those are drafts and draft picks that you expect your franchise to build around, right? They're, that's your future, and it's no surprise that the Browns are in the state that they're in because they don't have those foundational pieces contributing or or be the players that they thought they were and and that's an issue hey man i totally agree i appreciate it all right before we wrap hawk you played wide receiver for the browns i got a little bit of browns trivia questions for you as it relates to jarvis landry all right as you know landry led the nfl in receptions last year with 112 right do you know what the browns single season reception record is wow the browns season single season reception record i'm gonna guess and I'm going to say 84. Uh, it's higher than that. That's pretty low, though. I mean, yeah. I, mean, I don't, shoot. I mean, I've, I've been watching the same games you've been watching, Dan. Who, who is it? Who has it? 
It is Ozzy Newsom and Kellen Winslow with 89. Oh, yeah. I wasn't even thinking old, old school. But that's, and, those are, was, and those are tight was, ends, too. I was pretty close, though. I would have guessed the tight end. I would have guessed the uh, tight end. Josh Gordon had 87. So he's the, he's the uh, leading wide receiver reception. What, what did Cameron Jordan have? What was his season? Uh, season? He, he, was, he, was, he was at 80. I got you. I got you. All right. Respect. Respect. I knew but I didn't Landry, have the record, so whatever. Landry had 112 last year. So no Browns Dude, player has amazing. ever had 90 or more in the history well, of the Browns. 2018, here we come. Hey, man, I got my brother's wedding here coming up in a couple of hours. I actually got to start getting oh, ready man. here. I know it was fun doing an emergency Tomahawk podcast, but uh, I got to roll, boys. All right, well, Joe, I get it, man. You got you to go to your wedding. Listen, that's a wrap for this edition of the Tomahawk Show presented by Uninterrupted. Again, make sure you subscribe, rate us five stars, check us out anywhere that podcasts are available. Make sure you tell your family and friends. We had to come on here to do this emergency episode, and I'm glad we did. Um, as always, hit us up on Twitter with the hashtag Tomahawk with an H. And who, who's got it from here? I'll take it. Chew Hawk yourself. Hey, and happy birthday, Hawk. I hear today's your birthday. Hey, I appreciate it. There you go.